Hi, welcome to this episode of the Borough Girl Society podcast. I'm Christina, and in today's episode, we have Bruce and Heather. They are two of the founding members of recoveryroadonline.com. And if you're not familiar with Recovery Road, it's it's an amazing website that offers so many great things to those of us struggling with compulsive gambling. It's got uh, downloadable information to help you work through the steps and, and just information on this addiction. It's got a family group for those affected uh, by our gambling. And one of the most important things it has is Zoom meetings. They have Zoom meetings, I, I believe, from 6 a.m. every two hours till late into the night, 1.30 a.m. or so. Uh, they have speaker recordings so that you can go on there and, and listen to others sharing their um their experiences and their recovery. So it's a great resource. It's one of the first ones I've came, I came across whenever I was trying to build my roadmap of recovery. And I remember coming to this one page and it's called the promises. And I know I've seen this in other places in the gambling recovery community, but I remember reading it for the first time and really feeling a sense of hope. So I want to read it to you before we jump into this episode. Um, and I hope, I hope you feel the same kind of hope that I did when I, when I read it. So here we go. The promises as the door to the past life closes, the door to a new life opens. There was no faith or hope. And now there is money falls into its proper place. No longer are material objects. The only aim and ambition, a higher power and you walking side by side can work together each day so that you can become better than you have ever been. No longer will you be lonely. No longer do you make the decisions. Life has a balance which it has lacked. In a crowd or by yourself, you are no longer alone. You will see yourself more clearly. The insight will remain. Self-knowledge has no bounds. Your newfound serenity will enable you to calmly listen and learn. Your awareness will really accelerate. What the program teaches comes true. You continue to let go of the old ways and allow your higher power to guide you towards peace and serenity. All fear, fear will dissipate. You will be free to talk and move about as a normal person. You will be able to resume a beneficial role in society. Self-respect, so long absent, starts to return. The ability to cope is perhaps the most valuable reward which you will receive. One no longer has to avoid a problem by ignoring or sidestepping the issue. One day at a time becomes a lifetime. So true. So very true. I remember reading that and thinking, there's there's hope. There's hope for me. And I know there's hope for you. So let's roll into this, this episode. We've got Bruce and Heather who are co-founders of Recovery Road Online. And I am really excited to have them on to share their story of recovery and also how Recovery Road Online came about. So we're going to start with Miss Heather and have her share kind of her recovery story and, and just go from there. So hi, Heather. Hi, everybody. And thank you for having us, Christina. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Heather. And I am a compulsive gambler. I own it and I accept it. It's all of who I am. Um, my story is, is of recovery. Um, we won't go into my gambling addiction itself because um, 
that is a carbon copy of so many other stories. But my recovery story is perhaps um, not necessarily unique, uh, but rather it is uh, important for other people in my situation to realize that there is help out there. I come from an area up in Canada that has no, had no uh, focus on any recovery program. So when um, I started, when I realized that, that I had uh, an addiction that, that I needed help, it, it started very um, with a suicide attempt. And it was, of course, an unsuccessful one thing. The good Lord for that. Uh, but that's where it started. And when I awoke and realized that my family was still there and, and I had been blessed, uh, I knew that I needed help. So I started searching for help. And the first place, of course, I, I um, found was an addiction society. But unfortunately, due to government finances, due to everything and, and appointment scheduling, I couldn't get in for two weeks. The mental health aspect of it was the same because of scheduling, because of appointments, uh, it was very much the same thing. So I went where everybody else went. I went online. I was fortunate enough to uh, find Gamblers Anonymous and, and the groups on Facebook. And that's where the story of my recovery begins. So with that, I'll uh, turn it back to you. I'll make it short and sweet for you. All right, thank you. Um, how? Let me just ask you a few questions. How long were you a compulsive gambler? I was a compulsive gambler for over 40 years when I started looking back. Uh, my first bet, uh, my mother took me to bingo at the age of seven and I won a $25 jackpot. Wow. Yippee! <laughs> I bet and that was a lot though for a seven-year-old. It, it was. It was a terrible uh, amount of money for, for a seven-year-old to be in possession of. Um, but that's where, where I got my start for four, over 40 years and then how long now have you been in recovery? Since uh, January 18th, 2019, I am coming up to my third year. Nice. Nice. And it's great that, that you're so active in this community. Um, and we'll get, we'll get to more, more on that later. Um, so let's go ahead and bring in Bruce and let's hear a little of your story. You know, however much of it you want to share. Thanks, Christina. Uh, I always like to introduce myself the same way as if I was in a meeting. I'm Bruce P. I'm a compulsive gambler. My clean date, 2006. Same day as Heather, different year. So it's been a little over 50 years. And um, I made my first bet. First, what I like to refer to as my first gambling experience is when my parents sat us down. I was six years old and sat us down at the living it was a Jewish holiday of Hanukkah, and they showed dreidel. Dreidel is a spinning top with four on it, and they explained how it works. One side hands on it means you will pot of whatever you're playing for. Another side 
half, another side you lose half, side you lose thing, etc. And I, you know, I never thought of it as a gambling game when I went back and looked at my history and looked for that first, you know, thing. That was it. We played for uh, gold aluminum wrapped chocolate coins, and I won them all. I didn't eat chocolate as a kid, so I gave them all back and said, "Let's play again." And we played again, and eventually my brothers and my cousins started eating the coins. And I was upset because there went the game. How are we going to play if you eat the, the uh, currency? And so that's what I like to often refer to as my first gambling experience. The following year at the holiday, they sat us down again, gave us the dreidel. And this time we had nickels and pennies and dimes and we actually played for money. Eventually, my father sat us down and taught us how to play poker. And I thought, this is the greatest game in the world. You can lie, you know, through bluffing, <laughs> maybe even cheat <laughs> if you can get away with it. And you don't have to do anything and you can win money. You don't have to have the best hand. You don't have to be the best player. You know, you just got to find a way to be bold and easy enough. And I was for a a lot of years as a kid and through high school, gambled almost every day. I didn't realize it until, you know, many years later when I look back on it. But I gambled almost every day. And uh, it was a, you know, I thought I could, I could get this. And uh, eventually, eventually I went into counseling. I had some issues going on. I went into counseling and my life changed a little bit. And what I discovered the age of 18 or 19 is no one really liked me. I, I was fairly successful at gambling, which isn't, you know, a lot of money or anything, but I knew how to win. And I was, didn't care about else, you know, that the object was to win. I was as competitive as any compulsive gambler that I know. And from that day on that I realized I started losing. And you know, when I lost, it was pretty cool. People liked me. <laughs> I didn't like losing. But I like the idea that people like me. And, and I can tell you to this date that I was never really a winner. There were times I won and I took the money. But I always came back and eventually lost. So I recognize there's no real winning when it comes down to it. Uh, but gambling did something for me. It, it was the thrill of my life. Frank, for a while, I gave up drinking. No problem. I uh, smoked pot. I gave that up. But I never, ever gave up gambling. I tried to stop many reasons. I always returned. I wiped out my first marriage, wasn't there for my four young kids, and uh, life was miserable and difficult. But I still gambled. I still found ways to, you know, work my way through that. And eventually I got remarried and was determined not to gamble or have know me as a compulsive gambler. Now, I didn't know myself as a compulsive gambler, but I didn't want her to, you know, know me the way that I gambled. I eventually started watching ESPN. ESPN back in the early 2000s, showing the World Series of is another show. And in watching that, I would watch it in the morning before going to work. I would watch it in the evening, came home. And I'd watch it sometimes around midnight as I was trying to fall asleep. And eventually the idea occurred to me that I'd be successful at poker if I did online, no one could see me. And I'd be that mean, sadistic person 
because I wouldn't see them. They wouldn't see me. And I could finally be the successful poker player that I was meant to be. <laughs> and I could tell you today, they could see right through the computer. <laughs> they knew exactly how I played. And it, it was amazing to me. And it didn't work. That's all I can tell you. It didn't work. I exposed it to my wife. I said, I've been experimenting with assembling to make extra income. We didn't need extra income. I was making a great living, but I, I was feeling a little strange. Money was coming pretty quickly and I wanted her to know. And she said, oh, that's fine. That's nice that you're doing that. <laughs> the next day she said to me, you need to go to Gamblers Anonymous. She had a therapist and and her therapist had been in a recovery program for alcohol and Al-Anon for over 25 years at that time. And she's the one who said, you need to tell them to get to Gamblers Anonymous. So I agreed to go. We had one really a half a mile away from home. So it should have been as easy as can be to get to. And I finally decided, you know what? I have a therapist. My son's talked to my therapist about it. And I did told my therapist. We talked about it for 10 minutes. Yeah, we can talk about it. And for the next year, we never talked about it. And I continued to gamble online, but I never said anything. I think she knew that I was gambling. I stopped at one point because I was going to propose. We weren't married at the time. And I proposed to her and I realized I had no, I was as numb as you can be. And I'd never really felt that before. So I stopped for two weeks. During those two weeks, I got my feelings back. I was able to write up a nice proposal talk. We went out to dinner. I proposed. She cried. I had some tears come down and everything was going to be beautiful. She was going to be engaged to a person, never going to be a gambler. Uh, a few days after I proposed to her, I was back gambling. <laughs> and I made a new plan that we were going to get married about five months and I would stop again about two or three weeks before, get my feelings back, my emotions. <laughs> I could be a good husband. And, and the new plan was that she would be married to someone who wasn't a gambler. And so I did stop, but about two days before the marriage, I couldn't give it the two or three weeks. And we got married. I did the first week we went on a honeymoon and, uh, I, you know, I was still convinced I wasn't going to gamble again. And somewhere in the middle of the honeymoon on the island of Kauai, walking through the incredible gardens of the hotel, you know, amazing palm trees. You could see through all in the grass and the white sand beach in the ocean. I mean, it's as picturesque as you can ask for. I had a smile on my face and she happened to catch it as we were walking back. To, and she said, what are you smiling about? I said, I'm just so happy to be you to be married and in love with you. What I really was thinking, I am going to go home days and I am going to win back all the money I've ever lost in my entire life. I'm gonna to start to win and be an incredible rich gambler. And I'll be able to do this anywhere in the world. I'll take her on fabulous vacations. You know, it's the world of the compulsive gambler. I knew nothing about recovery at that point. I'd never looked into recovery. Uh, didn't want to look into recovery, just wanted to gamble and be successful. So I knew at that point I was going to return to gambling. Enough I did when we got back home. Uh, those next three before I finally discovered that I was a compulsive gambler was, was the worst. I, I turned numb. I had no feeling anything. 
I knew she was probably going to divorce me. There's, you know, I, I wasn't a person to be lived with at that point. And uh, I eventually went to my older brother's birthday party. He had turned 50 and uh, we kind of invited ourselves. He didn't invite us because the people that were coming to that birthday party were all people in recovery programs, Alex Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, and a program called Compulsive Eaters Anonymous How. And there were 40 or 50 people there that night. Again, all of them from these recovery programs. And so I sat down in the, the non-recovery people. My younger brother was there, about six of us from the family. We were just, uh, just there to enjoy a little party. And somebody got up and started talking about recovery. It was like, what the heck is going on here? And I was stunned. I was going to have a couple of cocktails. And I put the drink down before I could start. And I never drank that night. And I listened so intently. And for the first time in my life, it, it got inside me. I didn't admit it out loud to anyone, but it got inside me. I'm a compulsive gambler. I'm one of these people. Every one of those people had a minimum of 10 years in recovery. Most of them had had disastrous lives, turned it around. They were sponsoring people. They were active in service. I mean, they were serious about this recovery life. And each and every one of them got up and talked about their life. They talked about my brother's life and they shared stuff. And uh, I was fascinated by it. What I connected with that night is that I was a compulsive gambler. I was really sick. I couldn't admit it. I couldn't raise my hand. I shared a couple of times about my brother, cried a couple of times, but I could not admit that I was a compulsive gambler out loud. But to myself, I said, I'm one of these people. I, I was sick enough still, though, that I said, I can never be like them. I can't get to the other side. I can never do what they do. But I at least admit it. And I understand today, you know, that first step is admitting. Doesn't say anything about accepting. Doesn't say anything about doing anything about it. Although we hope it leads to that. But I made the silent admission that I was in a compulsive gambler for the first time in my life. I actually acknowledged it. It was a beautiful evening as far as I was concerned. We drove home the next day. I went to work the following day, came home that night, and went onto the computer to gamble like I always do. And for the next four or five hours, I gambled away a, a fair amount of money. It doesn't matter what it is. What happened is I played the usual amount. I lost it. I can't tell you a thing about the evening. I don't remember a single hand. I don't remember a single outcome other than I kept losing. And I did what I always do. I pressed the button to get more money. And the computer always said, no, you reached your limit. You know, in one night, I would reach my limit for the week. I had other ways to get money sometimes. But I pressed the button this time, and it gave me the same amount of money I had gotten the first time. Oh, this is cool. And all I said that night, because I was still very numb, even after that birthday party, I, I said all night long, I said, you can have it. I don't care. I don't know who I was talking to. I can claim I was talking to God or higher power, but I don't really know. All I know in my usual garbage, you can have it. You can have it all. I don't care. I played every hand, but I always played that way. I played the same way I always with no regard for anything. And I pressed the button again. It gave me more money. It did that four or five times. Had it continued, I had more that I could have lost. But again, the amounts 
not important. The fact is I was willing to pay. I've heard a few people in my recovery time who have made similar talks at the very end when they were getting ready, coming ready to get to recovery, where they've made talks like here, go ahead, you can have it. And that's what I night at one o'clock in the morning, Wednesday, January 10th, 2006, I went to bed. No thoughts, no nothing. My wife got, she didn't ask me, you know, she was shocked that I was coming in the morning. I think she was amazed that I even came to bed for that matter. I woke up four hours later, put my feet on the, sat up, and there was a smile inside my head. And for the first time in my life, I had the conscious thought that I don't have to do this anymore. No vows, no promises, no regrets, no remorse. Like, man, do you know how much money you lost that? What were you thinking? What was going, none of that talk. It was just, I don't have to do this anymore. I, I can't tell you that I had a white light experience of praying to God when I went to bed. I didn't believe in God. I wasn't asking for help other than, you know, when I said here, you can have it all. Maybe that was a form of asking for help. And it took me about an hour and I speaking to my wife and I said, look, I am a gambler. I've got a problem. Here's what's been going on. And she listened to me. She let me talk to her all day and night. And I told her about my life I had been doing. I called my older brother. He'd been in recovery for about 13 years at that point. The only words he said to me that day, get to Gamblers Anonymous meeting as soon as possible. Nothing else. If he said anything else to me, I don't remember. In other words, no matter what happened to me, even if I was free from gambling, even if I had some magical spiritual experience that from the obsession, Gamblers Anonymous as soon as possible. It took me eight days or nine days, January 2006. I went to my beer meeting and uh, I've been going ever since. I got a sponsor early on. I started working the steps. People started to sponsor them, got involved in service at some point. And I basically have been rinsing. Uh, sorry, I say rinse, repeat, wash, do it again. I do that over and over. Go be of service get involved in the, the 12 steps and others. And I've been doing that for the last 15 and a half years. And, you know, that kind of takes us probably to uh, with recovery road online. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed your story there. How you, how you came about, I mean, as much as you can enjoy anybody's game gambling story, um, but how you kind of came, you know, you woke up and you put your feet on the ground and it's just like, you had this, this feeling of, Hey, I, I can, I had almost a very similar kind of experience, um, for myself. Well, I had a really bad night and I had a breaking point and I was contemplating suicide. Um, and then I picked up my phone to see what time it was. Cause I knew I was going to have a bunch of missed calls from my, uh, husband and a picture of my mom and my sisters popped up and I just knew I couldn't do that to them. And so I just made this decision right then and there that, I was going to fight for my life and I was going to do whatever it took. And I woke up the next morning and I went to my mom and I, I just, you know, shared with her what I'd been going through all these, these years. And, you know, she was a recreational gambler herself, but she had actually pulled herself back um, when it started to become a problem for her. And I told her that I had to, but of course I didn't. Um, but from then on, we made a plan and, you know, when I, 
tell people that I'm, I'm so early in recovery. They, they're just really, really surprised because it was from that moment on. I just, I knew I was going to be, I was going to save my life. I was going to change my life and I was going to help others at the same time. And I dived into, into, you know, just Facebook groups and online meetings and GA and therapy. And I found a sponsor and, you know, gone into social media. But one of the things I want to share is that night when I came home and I was Googling, trying to figure out a roadmap for my recovery, I came across recovery road online and it was, it was the first website I came across. Um, there was another one that I actually went, um, gamblers in recovery. Um, and I jumped on a meeting because it was like late or whatever. And that, that was the first one I actually went to a meeting on, but, um, recovery road online. I just, I read everything that you have on there. You have a lot of great inspirational stuff. You have a lot of great information. Um, and it was just, it was just a game changer for me. I found your guys' Facebook group and that's one of the first communities I got involved in. And then I, you know, went into the women's Facebook group and, so all these different things was kind of like these stepping stones. So let's get into recovery road online. Let's get into, um, how it came about, um, how you and, and Heather both, um, work it and, and, and keep it going. Good. Thank you for that. And appreciate hearing a little bit about your story and how you found us. That's fantastic. Uh, again, beyond our wildest dreams that that could happen. We, I think we hoped it could happen, but you know, the reality of it is, it, you know, overwhelms us from time to time because we just didn't really know. Uh, about 13, I uh, should say, I, I would say about 13 years into my recovery, I had been, I changed my job. I'd gone back to school. I didn't find a new career and I had been driving, starting to drive for a living. And I was up early in the morning and going to meetings, which occurred mostly at night for Gamblers Anonymous was playing havoc with trying to get up early because I just don't go to a meeting. My wife goes, can you just go to a meeting and come home? Um, yeah, but no, <laughs> you know, I, I would talk to the newcomers after and I would go out for coffee or a bite to eat and spend time getting to know people. And, and again, helping people being of service. I had a small Facebook group called GA. It, it wasn't very active. And I decided to get more involved and just see what was going on in the Facebook world. And I found, I, I don't know if someone may have recruited me to a particular group, but I got involved with one group. And that led to seeing that they had meetings they did, some called meetings on Zoom. And I knew of Zoom because we were trying to use it in Gamblers Anonymous at one point for our inner group meetings, you know, as a way to get people connected. I was very familiar with Zoom. I wasn't worried about that aspect at all. I wasn't worried about my anonymity. You know, I was the kind of compulsive gambler that is willing to go to the top of the mountain and shut it out that I'm a compulsive gambler. So I wasn't worried about giving away any, any privacy or, or secrecy. So I got involved in several of the, of the group posting scene going on and eventually some of their meetings. And actually, when I met, met Heather, and this is well before Recovery Road Online, it's the beginning of the year in 2019. And I was at these meetings, and, and they were pretty much a free-for-all. People just kind of openly talked. 
And then, you know, they would say, would you like to say something, Bruce? Well, I only knew one way to talk, which is, hey, I'm Bruce P. I'm a compulsive gambler. My clean is January 18, 2006. And they're all just, you know, could tell looking at me like, what's wrong with this guy? We're just having a conversation. But to meeting, time two or more gathered for the purpose of sharing and talking to everybody. So I would share. I was in a meeting. And that was fine. At some point, we had an open conversation. And uh, I'll let Heather share that when she gets a chance. But that's how Heather and I met. I, I talked about a particular aspect of recovery. And uh, it did not put me in good stead with Heather and several other people. And today, all of us are good friends and stuff. But our, our first connection Go just a little further. Well, actually, it'd be good if, if Heather got a chance to come into the story at this point. It's interesting that you bring up that first uh, chance we had an opportunity to meet, uh, Bruce, because I thought I was completely um, had hidden my feelings in my face, but apparently my face told it all because uh, it, it started out as a normal um share and and we had listened to someone else share and then the topic of insanity it i felt it was absolutely terrible that this man who had been in recovery and remember i'm just new to recovery would tell us that we were all insane as we were sitting there and we were just new and and here we are we're insane we're looking for help we didn't need to know we were insane. We, we wanted help. And uh, I thought I had hidden my face fairly well, kept it straight, but apparently I hadn't. And I talked to my sponsor and to use the exact phrase, I, I won't use it uh, the exact phrase because it's not politically correct, but it's something along the lines. I thought he was a real a-hole <laughs> and, uh, and, and, I thought, like I said, I thought I'd hidden it well, but my sponsor uh, set me straight that that was his behavior was rather appropriate, and and we were all insane, and but that was our first meeting, and thank goodness we did become very good friends, and uh, then with the discovery of Zoom and the Zoom meetings, being able to communicate so uh, our innermost. De, uh, deepest desires of wanting to help people. That's where my story actually really begins, is that desire on Zoom to get people involved with Zoom because it saved my life. It, it literally saved my life. When I was seeking help and needed help so desperately, I was able to go onto a Zoom community. And at that time, there was two meetings a day. There was in, in two separate um, organizations, and I attended them both. And I learned about GA there. I learned about uh, the other um, group. And unfortunately, there was some bad feelings between the two groups, which was very unfortunate. And therefore came my desire to promote Zoom itself as a community, develop a place where all could come and feel safe and not have these feelings of one against the other. And that, that was my first, my first desire at even thinking that I might like to see something happen. That was the very earliest thoughts I ever had. 
Uh, I'm not sure about Bruce's thoughts, but. Well, Heather, if it's okay with you, the, the talk on insanity that day was an interesting one because to me that was just normal, right? We're insane. You know, you can't describe our gambling and not call it insane. Doing the same thing over and over, uh, expecting different results or even knowing that the result is going to be the same. And so I just thought I was making a pretty standard, you know, talk on recovery. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like Heather turned on me and, and four or five others. And I go, this is great. I'm just getting started. And I've already turned the group on me. How am I going to figure this one out? And I, I realized, you know, that I was calling everyone and saying I should go back and talk about myself. And I said, let me ask you, let me describe a few things about my gambling game, a story or two, and said, let me ask you if you can find any other description than the word insane for what I did. And they couldn't, they agreed, but it was about me at that point. Like anything in recovery, we've got to talk about our the most powerful talk. Within two days, Heather and I had become friends. We were friendly and connect. So it didn't last very long. But that initial that we, we both remember that 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 initial discussion on insanity almost, you know, drove apart. Heather talked about personalities. We're not going to get in. Unfortunately, sometimes personalities get in the way we were trying to create an online structure people together. There were a tremendous amount of people just like yourself, Christina, found recovery initially online or did research online and people were finding these Facebook groups for a variety of them out there. They were finding Facebook groups showing that we had these Zoom meetings and people would little by little find these Zoom and, and both of us in our own ways thought it would be nice to have some kind of structure somewhere to turn these in, into actual meetings that could find recovery, not just open talks you know, but actual meetings. And, and that, I think, was both the hope and dream for both of us. I got disconnected with Heather for a while, began personalities got in the way. Uh, I was with someone else trying to create a fellowship for the most part, and it wasn't coming to fruition the way I thought it should be. I wanted to see a 12-step fellowship, even though it was on and there were other things coming into play I thought were interfering with it. And I found myself eventually having to make the decision to step away from it. Our uh, promises that we have on our website, door pass closes, or as the door closes, door opens. And you're really referring to closing the door on gambling. But sometimes in life, you know, the same principle applies. No idea what I was going to do. I'd been actively involved in trying to create an online with several other people. And I, I made the decision to step away. And a new door opened literally within a couple of days. I had gotten a call on the Help Gamblers Anonymous. I did my due diligence and I told the person, you know, where the nearest meeting was. It was about 100 miles away, and it wasn't for four more days. And I thought, oh, man, you know, there's, how is that person going to make it for four days, let alone be willing to drive a house? And so when we were done, I said, you know, I've got one other thing that I can offer you. And I offered the person, I said, look, I'm involved with some online Facebook groups, and we sometimes have some meetings. We don't have a meeting this late at night, but I can put the word out. And I can probably get 
people to show up and we can have a meeting. And I went onto Facebook and said, Hey, I've got a newcomer. We're going to be in. And I listed the room number. And, uh, 10 or 12 people came flying in. And our other co founders was came in that night. And, uh, we, you know, we talked with the two. Again, it was late at night. And when we were done, the next day I talked to this gentleman and he to me that himself, Heather and another woman had been talking for a number of months about wanting to create a fellowship, a true fellowship. So the door to the other one closed and the door to this one opened. They asked me if I would be involved, if I could help them out with all my experience. And I'm thinking, why are you asking me? I've never created a fellowship. I have not a clue about how to go about this. I, I understand a little bit about recovery. I think I can help people if they want help. But you're talking about starting a fellowship and you're talking about starting it online. I'm as new to this as anyone. But I thought, well, this is, you know, I've got the most experience. They're coming to me. I can see if they're willing to create a true 12-step fellowship, even though it's all online. And I agreed to meet with them. And that's where the four of us got together, had a few conversations using Zoom, and they agreed to run it as a 12-step fellowship. And that's where, you know, we started having talks about what to call it, how to get it started, creating a Facebook group. I mean, it's just the bare beginnings. But our true vision was this, Christina. Vision is to get a compulsive gambler seat into a room within 10 minutes help from other compulsive gamblers. And clearly we're able to do that. Somebody can go online, get to our meetings tab, click on room one, and they can be in a meeting as quickly as they can download Zoom. And of course, these days, probably everybody has Zoom anyway. So literally within 10 minutes, a person can get there. So in a way, our vision may need to change a little bit because people on it can do it. And, um, I think we're meeting that that vision that we set out. That was the vision the four of us shared. It's on our homepage under our vision. Yeah, that's that's an absolutely amazing story. How that all came together, and and I I love yours and Heather's story. I love how it started and how how you guys are today. Um, and what you do, I know, helps so many people. Um, being involved in the groups and seeing, you know, especially. Heather, I want to talk to you about creating a space for women. Um, it's it's so important. Uh, you know, there isn't a lot out there when I when I started looking, you know, for women. You know, women have different different things that they need to talk about and different things. You know, we recover differently. Everybody recovers differently, but women women sometimes need a little more. And um, so so, do you want to talk about um, Recovery Road Online for Women? Most certainly, a recovery road for line on um, for women started out as a need for that very reason that you spoke about. We do recover differently. There are factors that come into play with a woman's recovery that issues that that men don't face, um, such as as menopause, as their monthly um, cycle. There are so many other issues that come into play on how they feel and their relationships and, and their background. Just simply the way we are um, 
as as women, the way we are are um, brought up, we're expected to be different. We're expected to be the caregivers. We're expected to be, and and when we don't meet the expectations that society has placed on women as a whole, then the self guilt falls in, the the self con. Uh, condemnation that the, the, there's there's so many feelings there because of the fact that we're mere women um and uh, i stumbled upon a book that um made it very clear to me that we how different we were and i used that book and and um, when i saw the need and understood that i was not alone in that fact we created Facebook group for women, and we have two women's meetings a week. Um, I would like to see more, and eventually there will be more. Uh, one is is a, a step study. The other is a very well-attended women's meeting where uh, the doors are closed to men. It's specifically for women, about women, and it's a safe place to share. And there are times when when the sharing gets very real and very raw. And sometimes we can't always share that in front of men simply because we don't feel comfortable. So that's where, where Recovery Road Online for Women came from. Yeah, I, and I, I love the space in there. Um, seeing that too, and you know, I created my own space with the Boat Girl Society uh, Facebook group also. You know, it's just another outlet, I think, as many places as we can find support and help. Um, you know, and the way I look at a lot of these, and, and it's funny because um, my my friend actually told me this. She said, it's, it's, it's collaboration over competition every time. And so, you know, the more spaces that we can create for, for people to feel safe uh, sharing, you know, there's so many different demographics and you know, so many people from so many different backgrounds, um, who needs, who need different spaces. Um, you know, the GA program of yesterday doesn't fit a lot of the younger generations or there's a lot of women who aren't comfortable, uh, going into these male dominated programs. Um, and that's not the case everywhere. Um, you know, there's a few women in my local GA that I'm, I'm very involved in, but there's not, you know, it's definitely going to be more men in a lot of the gambling community recovery community. So it's great that women have these spaces because like you said, there are different emotions that come with women. Um, and I think too, you're very right. You know, we, as women, as caretakers, we deplete ourselves sometimes to the point where we're just exhausted. And for me, I know that that was the case. That's, that's a lot of what fed into my gambling addiction. I was, just, I was just so mentally exhausted, um, that I just couldn't, you know, it was easy for me to do like, cause I didn't have to think about it. And so, um, you know, just having a space where, where women can just talk to other women is just invaluable. And it, and your Facebook group is absolutely amazing. The kindest women are in there. Um, and in both of your Facebook groups too, you guys list every day your meeting schedule. So, and there is a meeting every hour in there, just about. Like, we have, uh, we they're have, all day long. It's basically, it's from right now, it's from 6 a.m. Eastern time till 1.30 in the morning Eastern time. We have that little bit of a gap in the late hours, still based on, you know, east coast times but we pretty much you know day in day out 
are around the clock. We, uh, when we started, we had three meetings a day. We slowly but grew to five meetings a day. On March 20th, we looked back at our meeting list, 2020, the day really the world shut down, the pandemic. We switched from five a day to 10 meetings a day, and we had enough people coming to the meetings and enough people coming in from GA that unfortunately did not have Zoom meetings at that point. And so we had lots of people willing to chair meetings and we went from five meetings a day to 10 meetings a day overnight. We had been planning the idea of a very structured schedule anyway, trying to be very consistent on a daily basis. So people really wouldn't have to think about it. They could just know if I wake up and go to Recovery Road online, there's a meeting at nine o'clock, there's a meeting at 11 o'clock, there's a meeting at what, you know, whatever the times are. And that's pretty much the way it's become. We average somewhere around 12 to 14 meetings a day. People know if they just connect to room one, our meeting room one, there's probably going to be another compulsive gambler in there willing to talk with them, whether there's a meeting going or they're in an after meeting. Oh, that's so great. That's absolutely great. Um, as we're kind of like wrapping this up and, and winding it down, is there anything, I mean, do you want to share anything with somebody listening, you know, maybe ways to find you, um, you know, just any kind of parting wisdom, anything like that. I'm pretty open at the end. would like to share one thing and then give Heather a chance to, to kind of wrap this up. We also have Recovery Road Online Family Group. And yes. that is for family members. Every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we have a second meeting room that we use for what we call specialty meetings. And that certainly would be a specialty meeting. Family members, significant others, friends, those whose lives have been affected by someone who gambles can meet. And they do meet every Wednesday to talk about their issues work on recovery together and, and try to find that support. Two Sundays a month, in the middle of the month and the end of the month, we have a monthly birthday celebration. After that, we have a family group meeting and that's where we combine and the compulsive gambler and the family members meet together. And then we share on a common topic and allow people to come together and share the common issues that exists for both the family and the compulsive gambler. And it's very, very powerful for those who are willing to attend. Hard to get family members to show up because the typical word is it's their problem. They're the gambler and they don't realize that it's affected their life. So we, we started Recovery Road Online Family Group in June of 2020 and uh, it's growing very slowly, but but we've been consistent and we've been around and, and we're there to provide that support. So we look to try to provide as much recovery in all shapes and forms as we can. Yeah. And that's so needed. That's so needed. Um, Heather, you want to add some stuff? Yeah. One of the things I would like to point out is what makes recovery road online unique in its fellowship is we support all forms of addiction learnings. We're not just geared to our own uh, fellowship learned teachings. We uh, have things like big book studies. We have people who prefer Gamblers Anonymous and run their meetings according to their guidelines. What some of the other fellowships are sometimes uh, lacking 
we tried to fill the need by opening the door and saying, all are welcome. If you have a problem and you have something that has worked for you, share it with us, no matter where the recovery came from. That it's the recovery that's important, not the fellowship, not the, it's the recovery. Absolutely. We, need, we all need help. And uh, the, the other um, is the availability of our material. Um, when the website is running properly, and as Bruce uh, explained a little earlier, um, we had lost a server or two, that all our material on the website is downloadable in sections. So if you're going through working the steps and you want to just download step one, for instance, you can download step one. If you're working on step four and you want that material from whichever section of step four you're working for, it's downloadable. Um, we try to make it as accessible as possible and it's totally free. There are no dues or fees. We want people to uh, find recovery the way we did. And the door is always open and the virtual coffee pot is always on and there's always a cake in the oven. I love that. I love that. This just gives me all the good feels there. Um, I really appreciate you both coming on and sharing uh, your stories and talking about Recovery Road Online. It is such a big part of the gambling recovery community. And um, I'm just glad you were able to, to chat with me. Christina, thank you so much for allowing us to share our passion with you because it, it really is a passion absolutely um, for us. It's way beyond, like I said, it's way beyond any dreams that we had because it was just simple. People coming online, can we get them in a meeting within 10 minutes talking with other compulsive gamblers? And now when we look at the whole structure, the fellowship, the family group, the women's group, and all the things that go on, all the connections that have been made to watch people accumulate 30 days, 60 days, so on and so forth, to have these monthly birthday celebrations. Uh, to me, it's just like when I went to Gamblers Anonymous all these years, we're doing all of these things. So today, if you said, Bruce, do you know how to start a fellowship? I guess I do, even though I didn't think I knew how to do that. And Heather knows how to do it. And, and you know how to do it because we're all out there doing it. And, and it's wonderful that, you know, we're not trying to be exclusive. We're just trying to be a collaborator. I think you said it really well. This is about collaboration because each one of us is trying to find the compulsive, you know, there's help for us. That's the key still. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having us, letting us talk about it. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's very much appreciated. All right. Well, uh, thanks again.